not a second Put down your phone, welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno-drome With Shredder and Spencer, but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in, then do it for the win The sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy's show, it's cameras action doom the feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses Lentil, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show it's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack should do. Hello and welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast. This is the Feckin' Check In. I'm Trainer, and with me this afternoon is my co host, Toomey. How are you doing, Toomey? I am very good. Trainer, how are you? How are you doing? I'm not too bad. So, a brand new podcast and a brand new recording time as well. We're recording on a Saturday afternoon or evening, I suppose you could say, but a much more um, enjoyable time in the day to put your thoughts down on microphone and audio recording software, don't you think? I would agree with that. And this is our third podcast and you had a name change for this podcast, which is actually, ironically, your real name. You've changed your name to your real name. And that's why I kind of hesitated there as I was saying hello, because I'm, I'm kind of unused to calling you your real name on podcast format. Yeah, I just like to go back there. I don't think you can put your thoughts down on microphone. But anyway, <laughs> so the intro of this podcast has thrown me off as well. But um, yeah, so I'm using my real name. Most people who know me call me Trainer. That's my surname. That's what we're going to go with from now on. I think I had a, a sort of a persona on the previous podcast on Open Us. Dr. Toomey, I was called. Yes, and you did. I feel like I'm a different person now or something. The doctor and the professor have been dropped and they're in the dust in the distance. Yes, uh, so less pretentious. You, We'll have, we'll have to come up with new Persona uh, on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, just a brief explanation to the listener and the new listener. Um, we've had two previous podcasts. You can find them in the Cameras Action Doom podcast network on any podcast application that you use, or just by Googling that. And they were called Two-Faced Fake Snakes, which was a document of our rap music career, and Open Us, which was a podcast about opening yourself up to new experiences. So those two podcasts are finished, but we may refer to them from time to time on the feckin' check-in, as a lot of the topics we discussed on them will be relevant to what we're talking about week to week on this podcast absolutely so if you want to get to know us a bit better if this is your first time listening uh you could go back and listen to those other podcasts uh as well or you could just continue to listen to us from here on indeed you could indeed you could um so this podcast is going to touch on a few different things um it's going to have a basic structure each week although we're not going to hit you over the head with that but it's going to touch on funny observations although it'll be up to the listener i suppose to decide if they're funny entertainment culture and kernels of truth so those are the that's the basic structure of the podcast of what we're going to continue with from today onwards yes and it's a feckin' check-in so it's a it's a weekly check-in from two irish people uh if you're an international listener uh feck is the irish slang for fuck and uh, we are, so the fucking check-in wouldn't really work. So we went with the feckin' check-in. 
Um, and yeah, we should maybe explain as well the recent name change of our network, Cameras Action Doom. Did you want to lead us out on the explanation of that, Professor? Oh, not Professor, Trainer. Uh, yeah, uh, growing pains here on episode one. Um, yeah, so just before we get onto that, yeah, fucking check-in would have been far too vulgar, which is why we're not going to say that. But we're not going to veer away from swearing on the episodes either. But um, it wouldn't be Google friendly to call it the fucking check-in. So feckin' it is. Although I hope feck isn't filtered out by Google as well. I, I never bothered to check that myself did you it's a gray area because i think feck internationally is not known as a swear word and even in ireland it's not really the full it, it doesn't have the same impact as fuck it's kind of a halfway house yeah it doesn't really have any impact i wouldn't say um mm. but it's like a byword for fuck basically yeah um, softer. softer so fuck. a softer fuck <laughs> some people like it like that um so, uh, so Cameras Action Doom is a phrase that you came up with in one of our songs as the lineup back on our first album, which we named after the phrase itself. We call the album Cameras Action Doom, and it was on a song called Lemon Zest slash Leader at Last. Um, so you came up with these words while you were writing lyrics to this beat that we uh, borrowed from somebody. I can't remember who the beat was uh, originally by, but um, I think I might play a little clip of that song just to give the listener a taste of uh, our very, very early rap career. So here is a clip from the song Lemon Zest slash Leader at Last and where the phrase Cameras Action Doom originated from. Check. On the stage I rose from the tomb Cameras Action Doom of thoughts be hit me like Boom, 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 shake, shake the room I write Okay, so as you can see there, um, some unusual lyrics. We touched on this in an episode of Two-Faced Fake Snakes there, but obviously uh, people have heard it again now. So, cameras action doom of thoughts be hitting me like boom, boom, shake, shake the room. Yes, yes. Uh, the, yeah, the line was, on this stage I rose from the tomb, cameras action doom of thoughts. Um, as, as, we, as discussed on the previous podcast, that made no sense so far. <laughs> and then the final bit, be hitting me like boom, 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 shake, shake the room. That also doesn't make any sense uh, grammatically or literally. And also the phrase boom, 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 shake, shake the room, I think is, is no longer relevant um, in, the, in 2020. So, so very popular <laughs> in the 1990s. Uh, I'd, I'd, hesitate, I'd nearly say that it wasn't relevant in 2004 when you recorded that. <laughs> yeah, it was outdated in 2004. Uh, but I believe there was a song called Boom, 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 Shake, Shake the Room. Yeah, I think it was just Boom, Boom. I remember it. Boom, Boom, Shake, Shake the Room. Ah. Uh, was how it went. So um, I even got that wrong in those lyrics. I had yeah. four booms. Um, Although you might have needed the extra boom in order to fill out the bar. So you were just improvising, being creative, I think. Yeah, I was growing as an artist at that stage. So I had to add in another boom just to kind of experiment with it a bit but anyway that's all in the past that's covered on the two-faced fake snakes podcast we then went on to the open us podcast but those podcasts are in the rearview mirror and we're moving on to the feckin check-in and let's go into the first topic from this week's feckin check-in and we are on to funny observations and trainer will you lead us out for your funny observation from this week <laughs> So I don't know how funny this is, but it's an interesting observation, at least. So as as a lot of us are doing, I, I um, have been finding different ways to fill my time uh, since the coronavirus lockdown. And one of those is participating in online quizzes. So I've done a couple of these with you. And there is a quiz page or company um, called Patrick Ahern Entertainment. So it's this guy, Patrick, and his friend, Colm, who run quizzes online. They stream them via Facebook Live and YouTube. And they use quiz software um, 
I can't remember. Oh yeah, it's livequiz.ie. And then when you click into it, it becomes crowd.live. But I think they're two URLs of the same company. So they use this online quiz software uh, platform where you as the person in the quiz has to enter your answer very quickly because one, the minute the question is up, the points start going down from 100 rapidly down to zero. So it doesn't benefit you really to Google the answers because by the time you'd have Googled it and entered your answer, someone else who knows the actual answer would have put it in far quicker than you would have done. Uh, gaining them like 100 points 90 points whatever you know ah so so some of the scores are based on timing how quickly well all of the scores are based on timing oh yeah so that that eliminates the ability to cheat really which i think is very innovative i'm not sure if it's the quiz software company who came up with that or not but it's a very innovative type of quiz because there is a six euro entry fee so there's money on the line for prizes and things like that so um but but last night uh Patrick O'Hearn Entertainment were doing a heavily advertised quiz. This was just a general knowledge quiz with different rounds on different topics, a music round, a movies round, etc., a sports round. And uh, Bingo Loco decided to run their first quiz at the exact same time as the Patrick O'Hearn Entertainment quiz. And because they decided to use the same software company as well to promote the quiz, there was far too many people on the server, so both quizzes crashed and neither quiz could actually take (laughs) place at all properly at the time. So basically in this situation, um, Bingo Loco decided not to acknowledge what they'd done because one of the guys on the Patrick O'Hearn quiz was watching their feed at the time and the Patrick O'Hearn guys, Pat and Colm, were heavily acknowledging and referencing Bingo Loco and they became the heels in this situation. So all of these comments started coming up about, giving out about Bingo Loco and the fact that they basically uh, moved in on the, the Patrick O'Hearn or the Pat and Colm's quiz territory uh, when they shouldn't have really. <laughs> uh, so it became this kind of rivalry that, that manifested itself on the live stream, which was very funny to watch. And then, and then people from the, the Pat and Columns quiz started going on the Bingo Loco page and like calling them out on their behavior. So they had to start banning people and blocking people. And it was just a, a fucking shit show of a thing. But the two lads, I have to say, kept it very entertaining on their side. And eventually then when the traffic of the Bingo Loco quiz uh, cooled off, they were able to continue their quiz and they persevered and stuck with it and managed to do the entire quiz. And it had a, a, quite a humorous slant on the, on the entire night and everybody was happy to stick with them. So it was a, very entertaining, I have to say. And fuck, fuck Bingo Loco as well. <laughs> they are officially the bad guys. Uh, what, what time uh, was the quiz scheduled for? And, and why do you think Bingo Loco decided to launch at exactly the same time? So I think there was something to do with Bingo Loco. Not too many people were doing online gambling or online bingo. Or maybe they weren't allowed or didn't have the license for online gambling. I'm not exactly sure. But Bingo Loco is a live event company normally. Am I right? I, I think it's know. a live event thing that you can go to. What's that thing? Is it is is it similar to that thing where people like um, like do karaoke in big groups of people? Is it something linked with that? Something local? I think it's an event that you attend. You attend a live bingo show, and people go on work work days out or team building things. So they've migrated to online entertainment now, and they ju- basically just they just stole the idea of doing a quiz on the same type of platform at the exact same time as this well-established uh, company and marched in on their territory and tried to take it from them but they i think they ended up looking foolish as a result of it and greedy these greedy bingo loco happy clappy people going around singing and dancing and making other exactly. people do that so, but they don't want to these heels exactly these these yes. hypocrites but, these snakes uh, <laughs> Two-Faced Fake Snakes, you might call them. So Bingo Loco are our official Two-Faced Fake Snakes of the Week. Uh, Two-Faced Fake Snakes of the Week, Bingo Loco. We won't be sued for this, will we? I don't know if we'll be sued for it or not. I don't, I don't think so. I'm only reporting the facts here. So, 
Okay, we're not accusing them of anything. This is just our understanding of what happened. It's a factual representation of what happened. <laughs> so, I will share a coronavirus-related uh, anecdote now, if I may. And it relates to the absence of traffic uh, is the first kind of general point of it, that life is better because uh, I'm going into work like every two days trying to... like. I'm working in the health service, so um, they're kind of splitting it up the days I go in. So they don't want to have too many people in in the clinic in the one day. So the I have to say the commute is absolutely really enjoyable now. I just drive straight in. I'm listening to my music. Even if I'm late, I know I can sort of make up the time on the road. It's just it's really relaxing. And then in the evenings, you like so I know you're working from home, but it's just I found like running around, going for walks. Um, I can walk in the middle of the main road near me here. It's I, I think the absence of traffic is is great. Now this isn't my observation, but that's just a side point. I want to. What's your experience of that? Just out of interest. Uh, well, I don't drive, so I haven't noticed the lack of traffic on the road, and I haven't been going anywhere in cars really. Um, I, I might hop in the car with my housemate, maybe the odd time, but yeah, I suppose I have noticed a, a lack of traffic to a degree. Uh, human traffic has increased though, and that leads into one of my later points for the episode. But uh, but I hold off on that. We'll put that in the cliffhanger. Uh, and also, like, you can get to shops. I, I'm driving in the car as well. I'm just saying that because I know you don't drive. But I, uh, the, there was a shop that was due to close within 10 minutes. And it was about a seven-minute drive. And normally, if there was traffic, it would take up to 15 minutes. But I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to get to the shop. And I did. I got there within three minutes before it closed. And I was delighted with myself. So it seems to be opening up all these opportunities for, for getting around and I, you begin to resent cars well that's what I find if you see a car you're, I'm kind of like oh you prick in the car um, but that's that's the side point my real thing is is related to me driving home from from work and you've probably heard or seen that there's police checkpoints now kind of asking people uh, where they're going or why are they in their car or are they over outside the 2k radius um, so I was just on the way home from work there on Monday and I was literally probably about three minutes drive away from my work so only about less than a kilometer away and there was a police checkpoint and he stopped me and he said where are you coming from and <laughs> I I'd never really been asked this before so I was kind of I felt really suspicious and guilty like I'd done something <laughs> wrong so you should <laughs> yeah so I said to him he said where are you working and I said I, uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a healthcare worker <laughs> Which is really suspicious because I've never described myself as a healthcare worker. It's just because it's in the media they're using this phrase healthcare worker. Yeah. So normally people would say I'm a nurse, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a psychologist, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really suspicious. And then he said, "Well, can you show can you show me your ID?" And I go, "Yeah, I can show you my ID." And I couldn't find it for ages. I was like fluting around trying to get my my pass. And eventually I found it and I got out and I gave him the my my credentials and. I gave him the ID and he and then I think he he felt bad for stopping me. Yeah. And kind of flustering me. So he he then went uh so uh so what area are you working in? So he felt the need to to make it into a small talk situation because he knew that he was overly suspicious of me. Um so he said uh I I said I'm working in uh, intellectual disability and he said uh, well, my daughter did that, and then she left. <laughs> she, she couldn't. She couldn't handle it. And this is like there's like traffic behind me. Oh uh, fuck! Like, after me delaying them, and he's, she she couldn't she couldn't stick it. And I said she left it for her for her own stress. 
And I just said, okay. And, and what did she end up doing? And he said, she went into tech. And I said, well, there's stress in that too. <laughs> so at this, <laughs> so at this stage, we're having a god awful <laughs> small talk conversation where I'm thinking in the back of my head, let me go, let me go. <laughs> it's Bill Knock, no. <laughs> <laughs> you will not let me go and uh yeah it was just uh, a, a bizarre coronavirus situation and it, it went on for another 30 seconds of, of agony <laughs> before he actually let me go but he felt the need he had to keep me longer because he felt guilty i think about stopping me um whereas i would have preferred to just go so yeah i've been stopped a few times by police as well so it's a weird weird times so he was overcompensating i suppose for stopping you um by making it look like he was just making small talk maybe or something like that and uh, trying to lessen the blow um yeah that was it exactly and then i i kind of recognized that and we were kind of both pretending to be friends <laughs> but he was he was a nice man in fairness uh he was a bit he was a bit quick on the where's your id kind of the way he said it was a bit kind yeah, of yeah uh, I, I, you know like I'm, they're probably dealing with so many people every single day they've just probably become robotic about the whole thing as well like it's just where's your id where are you going yeah. tick the box and off you go like I, I doubt they're really stopping or reprimanding too many people because i mean if you have half a brain you could come up with some bullshit story even if you're not supposed to be out if you have half a brain you could come up with some reason why you are out they, they can't really verify anything you say really without delaying the whole operation so um the whole thing i I think the whole thing is just to have a presence rather than anything else, really. Yeah, and in fairness, they're doing an important job, and I kind of agree with what they're doing. I just thought it was unusual that I got into that kind of small talky situation with traffic behind me. Jesus, yeah, the last place you'd expect it, I suppose. Yeah, just I suppose this whole episode is probably going to be to do with the coronavirus. Unfortunately, if people are sick of hearing about it, then we apologise in advance and in um, uh, and after. and what's the opposite of advance? <laughs> and in retrospect? <laughs> in retrospect, I suppose. <laughs> for, in retrospect for the stories you've already heard and in advance for the ones you're supposed to hear. But uh, no, I've, I've noticed um, myself getting a lot of emails now from cancelled shows, cancelled events and cancelled flights. Are you in the same boat there? Um, not not direct emails, but I've, I've found... Uh, I've, I've just seen it on Twitter and stuff a lot that concerts have been ca- cancelled and stuff yeah well, so, so a lot of things I had tickets for have been cancelled obviously or postponed so there's lots of different gigs and things um, and for a couple of those I had booked Ryanair flights so one's outside of Ireland um, so I was going to go to see a band Saxon in March at the end of March over in Manchester and um, obviously I couldn't go because we weren't allowed to travel anymore and the flight was cancelled but I noticed what Ryanair have done initially they promised me a refund but what they've done now is they've sent me an email saying that uh I am not getting a refund and they have credited my Ryanair account, which I wasn't even aware that I had properly, like uh, with the price of the flight, which can be used on any of their airlines or sister airlines within the next 12 months, after which it expires and I can't use it. So bearing in mind that we probably mightn't be able to fly anywhere for four or five, six or even longer months, uh, basically I've been given this coupon of shite from Ryanair. (laughs) For a, for a voucher, basically, for a flight, despite them promising me a refund in previous emails. And uh, then there is an extra step if you want to actually request a refund. But because it's Ryanair, sure, they don't have a customer service email address that you can contact. So you have to ring the Ryanair helpline and speak to somebody who's probably been inundated with calls uh, and requests and presumably wait on hold for a terribly long time. So they've decided against issuing refunds as standard and are issuing credit as standard for cancel flights, which I think is a load of bollocks, to be perfectly honest. Because, yeah, you have something of uh, little value to you. They've given you, as you said, a coupon. <laughs> exactly. Here's a coupon. 
So yeah, that's that's not great. So yeah, that's just as a result of all the cancelled shows. So um, I had a load of stuff coming up. Uh, Nick Cave supposed to be going to in May, the Download Festival in June, um, and some other bands as well. So everybody's obviously going through the same thing. But one thing I have noticed on Facebook with smaller acts, smaller bands is they are encouraging people uh, and some people have spoken out not about their own bands but just in general encouraging people to interact with these bands and companies and maybe try and buy some of their merchandise from them directly or buy something from them which i think is a really good initiative and it's one of uh, the things about the internet and social media which i admire so for example um alan avril he's the singer of primordial they're an irish metal band but he's spoken out about lots of smaller bands who survive solely on touring revenue and specifically merchandise when they tour are suffering massively and, and many of them will just go bankrupt or out of business so if you can lend a hand to them almost by buying a t-shirt or even buying a digital download of one of their albums or just something so a lot of bands have band camp sites these days or they have um oh shit i can't remember what the other one is big cartel sites so these sites kind of cut out the middleman they only pay a small percentage of the fee to uh to the the website itself and they basically get like 90 percent of the cost of the item so if there are smaller acts that you support, maybe it's a good idea to, to follow that advice and go and buy something from them. If you like them, want to see them around, want to keep them around, and want to see them through this uh, lockdown, maybe just throw them 20 quid. You know, it's not much. It might be much less than you would have spent on a ticket, and it will keep them ticking over until they can eventually get back out there and play shows again. Yeah, and it kind of shows how the internet facilitates the kind of donation kind of model for bands and artists and uh, content providers uh. yes but there's a very d- distinct difference in this is that it's not a donation you're actually buying a product so I have I have strong feelings on, the, on giving money giving money for the sake of giving money okay. which I, I have strong opinions about that um, GoFundMe pages and things like that and Kickstarters um, when, when there's no product exchanging hands I'm not a huge fan of it but if you can buy something that you actually want and give people money uh, where something like a t-shirt where there's probably a huge markup on it like um I think that's a much better model for my own personal tastes than just giving somebody money. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think we'll we'll uh, get into that debate too much, but that makes sense. You get something in exchange and you get to support your uh, your heroes. Exactly. Okay, yeah, so that's that's uh, interesting quandaries coming up there in with uh, bands and stuff. Uh, and their their funding model and keeping people going and i suppose we're all looking at uh, entertainment in different ways with with the absence of live events and what i've been trying to get into myself this past week or two has been um something called the rewatchables so this is a podcast by bill simmons a american journalist who usually kind of uh it provides analysis on basketball, American football, and other kind of U.S. sports. Um, but he also has a, another pod, another podcast focused on rewatching kind of well-known films. Um, so he's been doing this a couple of years. So uh, he has a list of over a hundred movies that he's watched and reviewed. So he reviews them in a kind of a panel show. It's very light-hearted. Him and his kind of his mates sit around and they they break down the movie and the impact of the movie and the best scenes. And it's just it's really entertaining but i suppose what myself and my partner liz have started doing is looking at the list on the rewatchables and then picking out a movie and then watching the movie that night and then listening to the podcast when we're in bed because uh, we listen to podcasts to help us go to sleep um so we've kind of got into this routine this this nice package for an evening um so it's it's we're watching a lot of movies we've watched um 
The Godfather 2, it was an excuse to make... Sorry, The Godfather 1, uh, it was an excuse to make Liz watch that. She'd never seen it before. Brilliant. Um, and then we went on to True Romance, Tarantino, and then The Town. And then uh, we slipped a bit because it was, <laughs> it was Liz's choice. And we went on to <laughs> A Star is Born. Well, what was that? Um, was that not any good? No, I haven't actually watched that yet. Uh, a Star is Born, I thought, was absolute shite. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I was nominated for a number of Oscars, so my opinion may not count for much here. But I thought the story wasn't developed uh, well. I thought the characters, I couldn't really invest in them. Um, I thought there was... Bradley Cooper has this weird voice throughout the movie and I can't understand what he's saying for, for large portions of the movie. I don't care what he's saying as well. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. And then, but what annoyed me about that one is that I listened to the Rewatchables uh, panel on it and they loved it. They were like, this is the best movie of all. I should have got more Oscars. And right. Like, okay. Well, maybe this Rewatchables thing isn't, <laughs> isn't so good. But the better experience was with True Romance. And now this is a, uh, Quentin Tarantino he wrote the movie the screenplay for it but didn't actually uh, direct it. it it was directed uh, by let me see I have it here um, Tony Scott uh, so it was 1993 so it was the first uh, Quentin Tarantino related project that came out after Reservoir Dogs which was I think 1992 um, but I had only kind of watched this film about 15 years ago and I didn't really give it a chance I kind of I, I, I don't know I wasn't in the, the right frame of mind to watch it so I couldn't really remember much of it but um, I absolutely loved this movie. Um, it was co- like um, complete Quentin Tarantino style of movie. And the cast, uh, there was an ensemble of cast with Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, James Gandolfini when he was young, Dennis Hopper, Michael Rappaport, uh, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, and a brilliant performance by Christopher Walken, and it, which was only a cameo. Um, but this re- I'd really recommend people watching this. And then listening to to the uh, the rewatchables discuss it and break it down was just really satisfying after it so i'd recommend this kind of package of of watching movies and then hearing them discussed on the rewatchables very interesting a great idea for a podcast um I, true romance is one of my favorite films of all time i watched it for the first time when i was 12 but i've watched it many times since then and the scene with uh, dennis hopper and christopher walken where they go back and forth verbally sparring with one another is probably possibly my favorite film scene of any film i've ever watched in my entire life Uh, i just think it's excellent and apparently a lot of it was ad-libbed as well was it Mm. wow uh yeah it was so intense like i i couldn't remember what had happened in that scene and like the the verbal sparring they have is just uh, and like you could see how uh christopher walken's character who's basically there to kill um dennis hopper's character he's he sort of gains respect for Dennis Hopper at various points in it and then Dennis Hopper like insults him uh, really badly and stuff but it, it's very very brilliant Quentin Tarantino scene I would say yeah excellent um, I also I, I was listening to another podcast actually which I, me- I will mention in a minute but they were talking about A Star is Born and there's a scene where um, Bradley Cooper's character crushes up OxyContin with his boot and snorts it that made me really want to watch the film it sounded like dark and gritty and all that is it not like that at all uh, yeah, it's dark and gritty and he's an alcoholic as well and yeah but i i don't care that's just me <laughs> okay. i don't know why i just couldn't get into the the character i couldn't hear what he was saying for most of the movie fair like enough I can't, he and it was it wasn't uh, bradley cooper's real voice he deliberately uh perf- acted in i think it was three octaves lower and he trained to do this specifically and he got loads of credit for this but 
I just thought it was unnecessary. So uh, how, how dare an actor put on a different voice to play a character? How yeah. dare he? How dare he confuse me? I, 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 I was happy with his voice and what he sounded like. I don't want to be confused every time he's talking. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's, that sounds like an excellent podcast, though. Right, you are. Okay, so in a new regular feature of this show, well, it's a new show, so it has to be a new feature, we choose a song of the week as a kind of an intermission part between uh, topics. So this week I've chosen the song of the week. I would like to just briefly reference uh, a previous episode of Open Us where uh, we listened to one another's top 10 Spotify Spotify played tracks of the previous year, uh, starting at episode 10 of Open Us, which was called I Was Ordered to Listen. One of the songs on that was by a band called Riot, or Riot V, or Riot 5, as they're now known. Um, so this week, my track of the week is going to be by Riot, but this is the original lineup of Riot, uh, back from their 1977 debut album, Rock City. This song is called Warrior, and it's dedicated to Lou A. Kuvaris, who was an original member of Riot, who died due to coronavirus complications. So unfortunately, Lou A. Kuvaris has passed away, but this song, Warrior, is dedicated to him and to Riot, so I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so that was Riot with the song Warrior. Hope you enjoyed it. And moving on now with the podcast. Uh, so one of the aspects we mentioned is culture. I'd like to discuss something about actual human culture that I've noticed since coronavirus. Uh, I won't drag on too long about this because it's probably a complaint that a lot of people have. But I mentioned earlier on that I've noticed human traffic has increased massively. And that's, <laughs> that's especially true for where I live um, along the Royal Canal. So when I'm going out for my daily walks, I might walk up the canal and there's a lot of people walking up the canal on the path, obviously, because people are trying to get out for their whatever, their two kilometer exercise. But I've noticed as I'm walking along, virtually nobody is moving out of my way. Now, it's it's common knowledge that you're supposed to keep two meters between uh, pass, like uh, like all human traffic or pedestrians. I was thinking of passerby passersby. Yeah, sorry. Um, and I've noticed that 
Like, you know, over the course of a day or over the course of a walk, you'd expect the law of averages to be about 50-50 of you moving out of people's way half the time and them moving out of your way half the time. You just expect that to, to play out like that. But I'm getting about an 85, 85-90% strike rate of nobody moving the fuck out of my way <laughs> and me moving out of everybody's way. And I'm just wondering, like, am I not commanding enough respect as I walk up the canal or what what's everybody's problem they're just they're just not moving out of the way or they're maybe just they don't care um, about the restrictions but even just as a general you know general courtesy because you're you know just the kids and everything like walking up you know beside me parents with the kids held onto their hands and they're just blasé just walking right by not moving out of the way at all and i've just noticed it all time and time again like an entire family just brushed past me today making shoulder contact with me and i was just like like you know the, the option of walking in single file if you're in twos or threes that's an option as well you know you have to be creative you have to improvise with this but i've noticed that just time and again it's me moving out of everybody else's way and nobody moving out of my way it's mildly infuriating i would say and just a question about the the location you're walking in is is there enough space for there to be the two meter because you're beside the canal is there enough space there yeah i'd say there's a good three and a half meters three meters to work with there so you know people aren't stuck for space okay yeah so they're just being kind of ignorant i suppose and i found that families i've been walking around as well obviously and families are, are the trickiest um, yeah, it's families are tricky, but that's that wasn't my main problem. It's it's a lot of it's just people on their own, and they're just like, it's just like a Mexican standoff or something. I don't know. Maybe that's racist to say now. Sorry if it is. <laughs> it's it's like a standoff, like a showdown. It's like, nope, I'm not moving. And you're like, you're playing chicken with these people. You're playing COVID chicken with these. Uh, Do you know what it's like? It's like people littering or something. It's because there's there's now a societal duty that we all have is to to give people distance and to to take caution being around people but some people are are not doing that it's like people not recycling or people like like destroying the common good in other ways i think as well so it's it's kind of infuriating (laughs) anyway that's that's my point on that okay all right uh, so we'll see how you get on with that over the next few weeks hopefully uh, we won't have to be placed in these situations um too too much longer i find joggers are difficult as well did you, did you how do you how are you with joggers i find joggers tend to yeah they tend to go for the brush past and they not really move out of the way type of thing um a lot a lot of the time as well but i think their defense is i'm jogging sure i'm only going by you for like a split second what do you think of that defense i think it's uh i thought th- i think it's rubbish it's a rubbish defense <laughs> <laughs> because i suppose if someone walks by you they're maybe walking by you for let's say three seconds and a jogger is maybe one second. Yeah, but they're breathing heavily on you and they're fucking, you know, sweating into the air and whatever. Yeah. Joggers should be banned. <laughs> That's it. Even though I'm a jogger myself. But even though I jog, I make sure I give the two meter distance. I was I will jog on the main road and I think that's what Joggers should should be on the main road, really, because there's no there's no traffic. Yeah, and I've gone out for jogs since this all started, and I've been giving the the people a wide berth as well. So I don't know why they can't reciprocate. And something I noticed in these strange times, uh, in relation to the coronavirus, is how the UK media is reporting the number of fatalities in their own country. Um, so even today, I googled uh, UK media reporting of COVID nineteen. And what comes up in the Google search is UK coronavirus death toll exceeds 15,000 live updates. But that is from the Al Jazeera newspaper, which I think is a Middle East based uh, publication. Um, And then if I click on to The Guardian, which I kind of follow 
all the time and I think it gives a balanced kind of uh, uh, take on the news. There's no reporting of the number of deaths or fatalities in the UK on the front page of their website. And from what I've seen on the other kind of rags like the Sun and the, the Mirror and the Daily Mail, they're kind of similar. So I found this very strange, like compared to Ireland, our number of deaths are reported every day and each death, death, bleh, I can't say that <laughs> properly, each fatality in Ireland is, I think, given a value, like there's there's personal stories of people dying. It's even referenced on the, the Late Late Show and things like that, just parts of our uh, popular culture. But in the, the UK, it seems very like, I don't know, they just don't seem to report it. And I just find this very, very strange. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like one of those subtle uh, underhanded directives towards the the print media or the um, website media to just stay away from those statistics, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's it is if that's the case, then it's very strange because, as I said, there there is nearly fifteen thousand or just over fifteen thousand fifteen thousand four hundred and sixty four deaths in the in the UK, uh, which is very very high number of deaths. This this is a natural a national like I don't know. It should be people should be mourning and stuff, and it should be reported like that in the newspaper. I would I would imagine. I mean, like yeah, I mean the newspapers in Ireland have often been accused of certain celebrities and never reporting on activities. Uh, illicit activities that they got up to. I, I won't name any of them, but basically there are certain very famous Irish people uh, in the entertainment world and you never saw anything about them in the broadsheets or even the tabloid media in Ireland. And it was like there was a, basically a subtle but very direct ban on reporting any stories about any of these people because the newspaper also needed to sell stories regarding positive things about these people's lives uh, during the rest of the year when they weren't getting up to scandalous activities. So it could be a similar thing, like don't piss off the government, don't piss off the politicians because we need their cooperation in the future uh, for various stories and various references and various uh, people we want to interview and whatever uh, down the line. So maybe they're just treading carefully about what they print and how they print it or what they type or what they post online and how they discuss it because they think it w- might negatively impact them down the line on stories that they would like to write in future. Yeah, that's plausible. And if that is the case, I, I think it's like scandalous. Um, and I've noticed also that there was a lot more coverage of what, what was going on with Boris Johnson going into hospital and, and coming out of hospital. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it seems to be very uh, much skewed towards... Uh, the viewpoint or the the interests of the government, um, because remember, only a few weeks ago, when fifteen thousand people were were dying in in Spain or Italy, this was absolutely shocking around the world. Yeah, right? there was there was pictures of coffins and things like that. There's been that, nothing of the sort. That the coffin UK. picture was a hoax, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I did I okay. did a Google reverse <laughs> image search on it. It was not related to coronavirus. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that. Actually, just as a side point on that, how do you reverse Google search? Google the term, Google the term, Google reverse image search, and the opportunity to do so will come up. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very easy. Yeah, so you find an image somewhere, you copy it, 
and then you go Google reverse image search. A website will come up giving you the facility to do this. It scans the internet for billions of images trying to find a match. When it finds a match, it shows you the list of results. So for example, let's say you were on Tinder and you saw a woman who looked like a supermodel and she matched with you uh, and you wanted to re you search that. Actually, I don't think you can do that with Tinder images, but let's say you were on something like that and you didn't like, I'm just getting this really from the show Catfish, which I used to watch not by choice, but by circumstance. But uh, they used to reverse <laughs> image search a lot of these implausibly attractive people who would uh, make contact with lesser attractive people let's say and they'd they'd realize that it was actual an actual photo of a model um, and it was widely available online and the person had just chosen that photo as their profile picture and passed themselves off as as that model so it's very very simple to do and it's very interesting when you get the results so i think that um coffin hoax picture was from italy but it wasn't to do with uh the coronavirus it was to do with some sort of refugees or something coming into italy if i remember correctly but you, you can go and find it yourself and, and have a look if you want but it, it pissed me off that everyone was posting this on facebook and i was like yes there's a lot of people dead but stop using this crass fake imagery to to promote this like it's because it's not legitimate and the fact that nobody checks any of these things we just for blindly posting them on facebook and saying it's disgusting or it's terrible or whatever yes it is terrible but you don't need to perpetuate this bullshit either with your with your bullshit images that you haven't checked yeah there's no there's no use in any everybody kind of being sad and unnecessarily over fake images that that misrepresent the situation uh, that's for sure but i suppose yeah that's really interesting about reverse uh, image searching uh, as the side point there um but i i am surprised about the uk that that they're continuing to to underreport the the death toll um and i remember somebody saying to me years ago that they don't report when people die in traffic accidents a lot of the time in the uk whereas it in Ireland, it's it's all over the front page of the media if if like a, a, there's a high number of traffic fatalities. So may, maybe uh, maybe it's something to do with the size of the countries as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't know enough about it, but it seems just from those examples that there's maybe an element of state control of of the more widely known media uh, to a degree. Anyway, is there a stiff upper lip type of thing about the UK? Maybe that they don't like to to kind of address address those type of things so get on with it and you know i'm not sure really i'm not i don't know <laughs> sorry you're not sorry you're on the spot <laughs> N neither of us are experts on this i guess we're just speculating speculating uh, wildly speculating wildly speculating I'd, I'd be really curious to see what it's like in the united states um they have the the highest death toll of thirty two thousand eight hundred twenty three. that's the, the statistic i'm looking today but i i would imagine I don't know why, but I have a feeling that they would be reporting, they'd be downplaying it in a similar fashion as at the UK. And that would maybe support your hypothesis of, of the kind of the media influence this with, or sorry, the state influencing the. Mm. I don't know. It remains to be seen. I'd have to check some uh, US websites and US newspapers to verify that, but uh, possibly. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I'm making a wild conjecture without even checking the, the US media. Do you, ha do you have any pictures of coffins handy there? <laughs> Not at the moment. Okay, so moving on. Uh, so to uh, discuss a kernel of truth. So this is something that we found during the week, maybe, uh, where we gain new wisdom from something somebody has said or we learn a bit about something in life or, I don't know, just a piece of educational wisdom that we've come across over the last week. And I was listening to Tony Kelly's podcast. It's called Me Head is Wrecked and it's about mental health. And he interviews somebody every week and discusses mental health issues they've had and how they've overcome them. Now, for those of you who don't know, Tony Kelly is also the color commentator 
for OTT Wrestling, an Irish wrestling company. Um, and this week he had on the owner of OTT called Joe Cabray. So he's the owner, the booker. He's the Vince, Vince McMahon of OTT, basically. And he was his guest. And throughout the podcast, they did touch on mental health issues and things of that nature as well. But obviously there was a lot of discussion about Joe Cabray just being the owner and booker and creator of OTT. And one thing he said really stuck with me. Um, so Tony was interviewing him about how he comes up with the characters and the storylines and you know there's a lot of creativity that goes into running a wrestling promotion because it's really just him uh, it's not as if he has a team of writers or things like that um, and he mentioned he spends a lot of time on, alone he's a bit of an introvert and he just daydreams and thinks of things and he's always done that um, and he said a mantra he applies to his life is if you're consuming more than you're creating you're not doing a good enough job and he's talking about media and he's talking about things like watching videos on your phone or just generally being a consumer of content rather than a creator of content so if you are somebody who considers yourself creative or feels like you have something to put out there perhaps you should try and reduce the amount of time you spend consuming and increase the amount of time you spend creating and that really registered with me um, as a, as a very wise uh, outlook on how to produce content for whatever reason you might be producing it. I really like that. It kind of it fits into almost like a little mathematical equation. If you're consuming consuming greater than creativity equals bad. Yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> might, somebody might phrase it more eloquently than that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so like if you spend more time watching and reading shit than you do writing and creating it. If you are somebody who's trying to create, uh, let's uh, just add that qualifier to it. Uh, but then maybe the ratio is, is too unbalanced. Maybe you should kind of uh, level it out by creating a bit more. And it, it's something it's something I apply to my life today. So as you're aware, I've been doing a screenwriting course for the last four weeks. It's a six week course and every week you get homework to do. So you have to write a scene. So this morning I got up, I, I made some changes to Podbean for our podcast. I played around with the artwork i posted up an episode um i wrote down my notes for this episode and then i wrote my entire scene for next week for the screenplay class which isn't until tuesday so i'd i'd usually leave it a lot later than this and by like 1 p.m i had so much shit done and it was because i had joe cabray in my head saying create more than you consume yeah it's amazing when something just kind of registers with you like that that just inspires you and you're like that's it you're right that fits my experience as well and it, it, it gave me a kick up the arse, really, is what it gave me. And that's what I, I need a kick up the arse every so often. Yeah. Um, I think this equation could be applied to people who are not being creative as well, because we're not trying to be creative in terms of producing content, because we're all consuming a lot more than we're doing. So, But if you, if you look at creativity in terms of simple things like baking, making nice food, uh, getting different types of clothes, um, mixing up your uh, exercise routine just like simple acts of of creativity i think if we're if we're all kind of consuming we, we kind of switch off our heads if we're doing that all the time then we're not stimulating ourselves i think and that, that actually is the, the whole point of our last podcast actually i think so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we don't go back there but i think that actually is a really good uh, thing to truism to uh to, to keep an, an account and I think it applies actually to non-creative people as well. Very good well, and did you have a kernel of truth or a kernel of wisdom you wanted to share with the audience for this week? My kernel um, is not kernel mustard in the kitchen uh. it's, a, <laughs> it's something called the Loki method and this is something I learned about years ago and I know you're aware of it um, this was where I, where I became aware of it was through the writings of Darren Brown and the, I'll just say the reason I 
became it's on my mind this week is because I've had more time to think about research projects and this is something I actually want to research for my as part of my job. What is the Loki method? The method of Loki or the Loki method is a method of memorizing information by placing each item to be remembered at a point along an imaginary journey. The information can then be recalled in a specific order by retracing the same route through the imaginary journey in your head. So, so sometimes it's referred to as a memory palace. Um, so what I'm trying to look at this week is, uh, can I look into the research on this a bit more and see what's the quality of the research uh, like? Because this is a, a very popular concept in popular culture. Well, not very popular. It's mildly popular. <laughs> uh, and we both... I think came across it through the writings of, of Darren Brown. Yeah, um, as you explained it there, I do remember reading it in one of his books. I can't remember which one now, but I've read a few and it was def- I remember it now. Another one was placing items in a room um, to remember them as well. Is that part of the same method? Yeah, and so it taps into the, the, the part of human beings. The theory is that we have a greater memory for locations and journeys than facts or figures. So if you want to remember things, you, you always remember your way to work or you always remember the kind of the way you, you've walked to the shop or whatever. So if you can link facts and ideas to that journey, then it's a, you're tricking your mind into thinking, I'm walking down this journey and then I met this person and then I saw this thing on the tree and then I saw this uh, thing in the sky. And then for some reason, it, by memorizing things in that order on a journey, it, it really seems to improve uh, memory. So I'm actually interested in getting to the bottom of it and the, the quality of the research behind it. And it brings me back to my undergraduate days when I did a, a degree in business and, and sociology. It was myself and uh, my partner Liz. At the time, we were both facing into our final year exams and uh, we were both kind of 2-2 two, two graders. So this is like the third highest grade. So it's a solid grade. You have yeah, first class honours degree, then you have 2-1, then you have 2-2, two, two, and then you have kind of pass type of grades below that. And I think most people in college tend to get a 2-2. Two, two. I got a 2-2 two, two in my degree, just to mention that. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And then like if you're doing a bit better, you work a bit harder, you get a two one. And then there's like less than 10 percent of people would get like a first. So myself and Liz were very much two two straying into two one uh, students. But we were always a bit off the the first category. And we we kind of have had ruled it out as something that was impossible. But it was just applying Darren Brown's Loki method got us both suddenly at the end of the four years of studying, we propelled ourselves to both getting a first. And it's because we use this method, Liz actually got her first in all of her subjects and she got a gold medal. Yeah, a gold star, wasn't it? <laughs> a go- yeah, a gold, a medal gold medal for being in the top 2% <laughs> of all uh, grades. And there's about, a, about 200 people in, in, in the year. And I remember the surprise that struck everyone as me and Liz were both like, yeah, we got a first. And I think it was purely down. Well, not purely because we worked hard as well, but a lot of it was down to using this Loki method. And I've often wondered off and on since since that time, could this be taught to students and maybe disadvantaged kids and different different people to kind of give them the technique of memorizing and, and le- teach kids how to remember. And then maybe exams will be, 
in time less based on memory if everyone can learn how to, to memorize the same information. Isn't isn't there a whole big thing about not making the leaving cert and the junior cert memory tests and having more comprehension behind it though? I think if you were to introduce this it would be moving in the upper, opposite direction of, of a lot of uh, efforts to, to, to make people comprehend things more rather than just memorizing them. Yeah, there is that movement but when it comes to the tests even at university level as well like university level is especially supposed to be about um your comprehension and your understanding of the topics but at the same time that the way it's set up they do assess it by exams at the end and the exam at the end is usually you have to show your comprehension and understanding and put together a good essay but you also have to remember dates of authors and the years uh, they wrote something and little tidbit of information and it's the same i think in the leaving cert i think it's still this way where they they there's a kind of a movement away from from the recall of information but they haven't yet done that um so so my kind of long-term thing would be if everyone learned how to memorize and all the grades went up and everyone got the same grade then they maybe they'd have to move away from it Mm. i don't know yeah okay i I, I see your point a bit yeah so do you would still have to comprehend it in order to be able to write about it but if you could assist people in remembering what they had to write about comprehensively basically exactly you take away the 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 need to memorize and uh, a good example is that is i i did a, a marketing exam and i mem- i got into the memory technique and I, I must have memorized about 40 names and years when they wrote the the their paper had a little bit of information about it but what happened was i had all the 40 uh, uh references ready to go but I was I didn't actually I wasn't actually good at marketing. So okay. I had all this information and I had extra stuff. So when the questions came up, I ended off going on a tangent with all these extra readings that weren't on the core curriculum because I I thought I could and I made it into this kind of sociological argument about marketing being wrong and stuff. <laughs> so it was the team running through my answers. Marketing marketing is loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an example of me having the information but not applying it in the right way. Whereas Liz had the information the exact same information as me because we studied together but she did really well on the exam so okay okay very good okay that's interesting all right the low key can i ask you a question about low key is that an acronym or is that a person who came up with it what is low key uh i think it's an ancient technique it's not an acronym uh let me see here it's used by world uh, memory um uh champions um and it's just coming back to me now where where low key comes from it comes from the reference to location so it's ah. it's loki i think it comes from the greek uh for for location so it's you're you're putting all the information in a specific location along the journey and <laughs> um, so it's sometimes referred to as the journey method and sometimes as the memory palace as well i wish i had just left it there as saying i think it comes from the greek <laughs> like like people say from the latin but then they don't say <laughs> from the latin <laughs> Just from the Latin. That, could, that gets them out of jail. Yeah. Oh, Latin. Mm. Wow. Okay. All right. So that wow. is pretty much it for this episode of the Feckin' Check-In. Episode one in the bag. We've checked in and we've fecked in and now we're fecking off. So um, I don't know how we're going to finish up these episodes because we can't say stay open. So um, uh, will I put you on the spot and ask you, Toomey, do you have any final words for the listener? Feck off. Mm-hmm.